The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, I'm going to talk to Cody Benjamin, NFL writer for CBS Sports, in just a few minutes, and we're going to cover a whole wide range of issues, dealing with the Eagles, of course, which free agents we he expects them to keep, and uh, how he sees them using some of their early round picks, get his thoughts on the coordinators that have been hired by the Eagles over the last few weeks. But we're also going to take a look around the NFL and specifically the Giants. We'll look at some of the quarterbacks who could be changing teams. And he has an, a, a potential trade that he thinks would make a lot of sense for the Eagles. So we'll talk to Cody about all that in the next few minutes. And uh, I'm going to give you some thoughts here coming up about Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers, all the franchise tags. Lots of intrigue as teams are getting their rosters prepared for free agency, which begins next week, or at least the, the legal tampering portion of free agency, which begins uh, early next week. And right now, teams have an exclusive negotiating window with their own free agents. And we'll see over the next few days whether or not the Eagles are able to get some deals done. My guess is if the Eagles do get some things done, it's with some of their longstanding veterans, the guys like Jason Kelsey. I imagine we'll get a um, an indication from Kelsey at some point in the next few days, probably on his social media account, as to whether or not he plans to retire or come back. My my gut feeling is with Jason Kelsey, I, I think he's absolutely coming back. I, I just feel like he had a lot of fun in 2022, playing with Jalen Hurts, watching him improve uh, the way the team ran the ball, uh, the offense, the way it worked. He is still at the very top of his game. I know that he says there are things he can't do now that he used to be able to do, but whatever it is he's doing, he's made up for it. And Jeff Stoutland has got the offensive line uh, playing like a well-oiled machine. I know Cam Jurgens is there ready to take over when Jason Kelsey retires, but uh, if you're going to sit here and tell me that you think the team would be better off without Jason Kelsey, which I'm not even going to give, I, I saw this, I saw this online uh, when on a radio host uh, had this opinion and I, I, I can't, I can't, I ah, I can't even, I, I'm, it's, you know, how that enters your brain and it comes out through your fingertips and out your mouth so that you're putting that stuff into the world. I, I, beyond me, how you could look at Jason Kelsey and think the team would be better off if he retired, but um, I, it's, 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 it's hard to fathom. Anyway, I think Jason Kelsey will be back. I think the Eagles should welcome him back with open arms, and I think that's something that will happen in the next couple of days. We'll find out one way or the other whether he retires or whether he's coming back to the Eagles. And I think if they bring back a player like Fletcher Cox, 
Brandon Graham. I think there's a good chance both those guys are back for much smaller deals. I think they can bring Brandon Graham, Brandon Graham back on a one-year deal for about $5 million. And uh, my guess is Fletcher Cox probably gets something close to that. I will say I'm not paying Fletcher, Fletcher, I'm not paying Fletcher Cox more than $5 million. I'm giving Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox a similar contract. I don't know if that's realistic, but if I'm Howie Roseman, that's where I'm going with those two guys. And I don't know that I would see them signing anybody else during this exclusive negotiating window. But I do think that we will see decisions. If those guys are coming back, it will happen sooner rather than later before the legal tampering process starts. As far as the big name guys, I don't see any of those guys re-signing with the Eagles uh, before uh, the, the the legal tampering uh, portion of free agency begins. My guess is that their agents are going to want to talk to a lot of different teams and see what else is out there, which is why the Eagles have let them hit free agency. It's one of the reasons why Howie Roseman did not negotiate during the course of the season. He didn't want to show favoritism towards any one of the defensive players. He was worried about the team chemistry during the course of the season. And while that means that right now, the team is maybe sweating it out a little bit with CJGJ uh, or Bradbury or Hargrave. I think everybody realizes Bradbury is probably gone. I think most people are holding out hope that one of Hargrave or CJGJ will return to the defense in 2023 and beyond. But typically, the Eagles will re-sign these guys during the course of the regular season. But in this case, they didn't. And I think how he has said it was basically they didn't want to make it appear like they were showing favoritism or choosing picking one guy over another guy and risk the com- messing with the camaraderie in the locker room. And given the fact that the Eagles made it all the way to the Super Bowl, they were one stop, one one unlucky bounce, one one play away from potentially winning the Super Bowl. I can't fault Howie Roseman for his logic and how it all worked out. The goal is to get to the Super Bowl. The Eagles did that. They almost won that game and really showed that they were just as good a team as the Chiefs on that field on that day. And so uh, I think Howie Roseman was right in what he did. And now, of course, you, you pay for that by allowing other teams to enter the negotiating process and driving up the price. And so if you want to keep Hargrave, if you want to keep CJGJ, it might cost you a little bit more than you might have had to pay during the course of the regular season, uh, during the course of the regular season when they typically will do contract extensions for players that they know they want to keep. But uh, we'll get some of those answers over the next few days. And then of course, next week when free agency begins and there are, there are players playing for other who played for other teams who are hitting the free agent market who might be on the Ascension. You know, when it comes to free agency, I don't like paying for past performance. And with Javon Hargrave and James Bradbury, there's a very real chance that if you sign those guys to three or four year deals, that you're paying for past performance. You're not looking to the future. You're not getting a player who's on the way up. And I think what you're seeing, what you've seen from the Eagles in terms of free agency, especially guys on multi-year deals, is a guy like Hassan Reddick, who's still in his 20s and on the way up, trading for A.J. Brown. Still on their way up, entering their prime, not pay, not giving out three and four year contracts to guys who are in their early 30s who are going to start to decline more than most likely as they age over the next few years, which is why I don't think Hargrave or Bradbury will be back on multi-year deals. The Eagles just don't do that all that often. And my guess is that they have a scouting department that is looking at some of these players that have become free agents from other teams, or guys who might be available in trade like a CJGJ, 
who are young, who are on the way up, which is why I think a, a, a free agent deal is most likely to happen with, with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson because of his age, because he's an ascending player, because I think you could look at him and say, no, I don't know that his 2022 season was as great as the numbers look, but you can see a guy who is on the way up, who is an emerging safety in this league, who can also be a slot cornerback when Avante Maddox goes down. And we don't know exactly what Sean Desai's defense is going to look like, but the Vic Fangio defense asks a lot of your safeties. And if you're going to give a three or four or five-year deal out to a player, you want it to be somebody who's in their mid-20s, who you believe still has room to grow. I don't think that's Hargrave or Bradbury. I do think that's CJGJ. And although the safety position is not as important a position or as valued a position as the defensive line or the cornerback position, I don't think they want to give out that kind of money to players who aren't going to potentially age well. And so you'll look to build those those positions in the draft more than likely. Or there might be a defensive tackle on the free agent market uh, that that you're looking at. So we're going to talk to Cody about uh, the Eagles free agents and what he thinks about all this coming up here in the next few minutes. Uh, I do want to take a look around the league. Some some as you know, this podcast is called Eye on the Enemy for a reason. We want to keep an eye on what's going on outside of the Philadelphia Eagles and keep you clued in on what's going on around the NFL and how it could impact with what's going on here with the birds. And we're going to first take a look at a team within the division, the New York Giants, very busy this week, signing Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million contract, $40 million a season by average annual value. Now, of course, you're playing all kinds of fun cap games, so I think he's only going to cost them $19 million against the salary cap here in 2023, but eventually you pay the piper for a deal like this. It's not all guaranteed, obviously. $82 million the first two years of this deal, $94 million guaranteed at signing. There are also $35 million in incentives built into this contract. Again, yeah, first-year cap number of $19 million. If they had used the franchise tag on Daniel Jones and say they just wanted to, to, to get one more look at Jones before committing to him for multiple years, they could have done that. I know there are some people calling for the Eagles to do that with Jalen Hurts, not going to happen. It's a different situation. Jones is at the end of his contract. Uh, Hertz still has one more year, year left on his rookie deal. And the Eagles could conceivably franchise tag Jalen Hurts next year. But uh, they don't do that. The Eagles did not franchise tag any of their plethora of free agents, which they could have done. But they don't like doing the franchise tag. It, it causes animosity a lot of times in, in most cases. And, and the Eagles would just rather either sign a player or let them go. And I understand that. If the Giants had used the franchise tag, Jones would have cost them $32 million against the cap this year, which is just a number you cannot pay Daniel Jones. So he's going to cost them $19 million, but at some point, that number is going to jump up into that range, $40 million a season by average annual value. So you know Jalen Hurts is getting at least 45 if not, again, we're talking upper 40s, low 50s for Jalen Hurts. And again, this is not really a contract that I think affects the Joe Burrows of the world. It doesn't necessarily affect the Justin Herberts of the world or the Jalen Hurts of the world, I think, because everybody recognizes Daniel, Daniel Jones is a tier below. I'm thrilled about this because I don't think Daniel Jones is all that good. He's a serviceable quarterback, right? He's kind of like a Kirk Cousins. But with Daniel Jones, we know that this Eagles team, even as improved as Daniel Jones was under Brian Dayball this year, we know there's a ceiling there. We know that Daniel Jones can only get to a certain level 
before maxing out. And we know it's a level the Eagles can beat him at. So I am, th- and, and the Giants are caught in a position where they, you know, they either go back to being a, a, a bad team again for the next few years as they search for a true answer at quarterback, or they do this with Daniel Jones and hope that they surround him with enough talent to make it work. And they did that by also giving the franchise tag to Saquon Barkley. Uh, Again, one of two teams in this division that decided to use a franchise tag on a running back. Makes a little more sense for Saquon Barkley, given his age, and given the fact that Daniel Jones really does need some, uh, some premium talent around him. And Saquon had a great year, but... Man, the Giants just continuing to do things in a way that Dave Gettleman used to do. And I I know Joe Shane is a smarter guy. The Giants are definitely headed in a better direction. And based on what they did last year, man, I don't know if maybe making the playoffs and winning a playoff game doesn't hurt them more long term. You know, I mean, if they'd have won five games this year, you could have made a decision on the quarterback and, you know, taken it down to the studs and started over. Couldn't do that. Daniel Jones played just well enough to make them keep him around for four years, $160 million, $40 million a season. Again, he's not going to probably play all four years of that deal. They'll restructure. They'll move some things around. Uh, NFL contracts are never the numbers that they appear to be, but an interesting move by the Giants, to say the least, one I think Eagles fans are very happy with. Derek Carr, Raiders quarterback, was traded to the Saints. I, I was wondering where he ranks among NFC quarterbacks, and right now, of course, we all have Jalen Hurts as the number one quarterback. Um, I would probably have him slotted in. I, I think I think Dak is the number two quarterback right now. If Aaron Rodgers comes back to the NFC, I have him at number three, but I don't, I don't think Rodgers is coming back to the NFC. I, I think Rodgers is going to go play with the New York Jets. Um, seeing some reports here on Friday as to whether or not Aaron Rodgers wants to play in New York, and given the fact that he's Looney Tunes, it's certainly possible that he would rather lie low in a in a media market that, I know Aaron Rodgers likes to put himself out there. So maybe the media market isn't that big a deal. But he's not going to get the kind of latitude that I'm sure that he gets in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I think a lot of the fan base loves Aaron Rodgers because of what he has done for them. He's an icon and a legend, and I don't think he's going to get that kind of grace with some of the stuff that that he does in New York. I mean, he's just a quirky dude. I mean, he's... I said he's nuts a little bit earlier. I, I don't, I'm not going to go that far. But he's a quirky dude, right? And I don't think he's going to get that kind of leeway in New York. They're, they're going to be all over him. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants that kind of attention. Aaron Rodgers likes to bring attention upon himself in the way that he wants to. And when you go and play in a place like New York, I think it's a perfect fit football-wise. What he would do to the Jets, making them a marquee franchise once again, the NFL is more fun when the Jets are a marquee franchise, I think. And it hasn't been that way for a very, very long time. But I would love to see Aaron Rodgers first get out of the NFC and go over to the AFC for one. But I do think it would make the Jets a more fun team and make them a really fun story in the NFL. As far as where Derek Carr ranks, I think he's probably... I guess it really depends on what you think you're going to get from Matthew Stafford this this year. I think if you get old Matthew Stafford, I think you're probably looking at Stafford as the third best quarterback. He might even be the second best quarterback in the NFC behind Jalen Hurts with Dak number three. And I think that's about where you're talking about Derek Carr right in there. I'd put him ahead of Jared Goff. I'd put him ahead of Kirk Cousins uh, and some of those other guys. I'd put him ahead of Geno Smith, who re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks uh, this week. I think that's about where you're slotting in Derek Carr. That being said, I'm not the biggest Derek Carr fan in the world. 
What's he ever done? What has Derek Carr ever won with Oakland? He's had some talent. He had Devontae Adams there this year, for crying out loud. Now, I know the Raiders are kind of a dysfunctional organization. They're, they're, and they, they just they don't know how to hire head coaches. Josh McDaniels is a disaster. He was a disaster the first time around. He's been a disaster this time around. They had a good coach last year, an interim coach that they let go because he wasn't a big name, because the Raiders are obsessed with big names, because they don't know how to build a football franchise. So you could argue that Derek Carr suffered from that. But he's not going to a place in New Orleans where he's going to be surrounded by top talent. Alvin Kamara is not the same guy he used to be. The, the wide receiver situation in, in New Orleans is not what it used to be. The, the fact that they did as well as they did this year, I think, is a, a testament to some of the, the other guys down on the roster and some of the coaching. But the Saints are not a very good football team. And I don't think Derek Carr is going to have a whole lot more success in New Orleans than he did uh, in Oakland. But it, in, they're not Oakland anymore. Las Vegas. Las Vegas Raiders. If I said Oakland before, it's because I will always call them the Oakland Raiders. It'll never, it'll never leave me. Um, but Derek Carr uh, is traded to the Saints, and I think that that's probably where I would have him. He's either the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFC. And interestingly, now this means the Saints will not be looking at quarterback in the first round of the draft. The Saints have not selected a quarterback in the first round since Archie Manning in 1973. That's pretty incredible. Um, one last thing, Geno Smith uh, signs a three-year extension with the Seahawks. Just mentioned that a moment ago. Three years, $105 million. If you're looking at the contract signed by Carr and Smith, Carr, Carr's was four years, $150 million, which is actually less than Daniel Jones's contract. Geno Smith, three years, 105. In reality, these two teams are looking at a two-year, $60 million deal, probably $70 million for Derek Carr, and two years, $40 million, which, again, with incentives, probably bumps up to $50 million for Geno Smith. Both those teams can be out from under those quarterback contracts in two years. But you're looking at essentially uh, a $30 million a year average annual value for Derek Carr and a $20 million average annual value for Smith. Uh, over the course of two years. I think that's fair for both of those guys. And Derek Carr, probably a little bit underpaid. You're, if Geno Smith gives you in 2023 and 2024 what he gave you in 2022, he's underpaid. That's a good deal. And you can build a good team around him if you're paying your quarterback $20 million a year. Unsurprisingly, the Eagles did not give anyone the franchise tag, as has been their history. We mentioned before only five times in franchise history have they used it, and it was rescinded three of those times once long-term contracts were negotiated. They could have tagged Javon Hargrave and CJGJ, but again, we mentioned Howie Roseman didn't want to do that during the course of the regular season. The Cowboys tagged Tony Pollard. The Cowboys just love spending money on running backs. They've still got Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. They're paying so much money to running backs. It's just, it's such a stupid and crazy way to build a team, but the Cowboys are committed to that running back by committee, uh, you know, shoving that ball right up the middle. Tony Pollard's a real good player. If he was your only running back, I could see it. They got to figure out a way to get rid of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, it's just so much money, but they'll take a cap hit if they do that. It was just a bad idea to give him all that money in the first place. One of the big stories that we're all watching is what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to talk to Cody about that in depth in a minute, but the Ravens use the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. So now teams around the NFL can make any offer they want to Jackson. The Ravens have five days to match. If they refuse the Ravens will only get two first-round picks, and that's why everybody thought that the Ravens might trade him because they probably could have gotten more than two first-rounders for that, but perhaps that's why teams like the Falcons, like the Panthers, were saying in the days leading up to the franchise tag that they were not interested in Lamar Jackson, knowing that they would probably put him with a non give him a non-exclusive franchise tag. 
and that they would have an opportunity to offer him a contract in free agency without having to, um, with, with, well, they would still have to give up some of these uh, draft picks, but only two first round picks instead of maybe three. But as I saw, I think this was, oh, was it Gil Brandt on Twitter? I'm trying to remember who it was now. I apologize. I don't remember who this was, but they noted that the five day window that the Ravens have to negotiate with Jackson to match any deal that a team would give him essentially freezes that other team out of the free agent market until the Ravens decide what they want to do. So let's say the Falcons offer Lamar Jackson a big contract. That now goes to the Ravens to, to have the opportunity to match. But the Falcons can't really do anything for those five days because they need to know whether or not Jackson is going to count for the $45 million of their cap room before they can go out and sign defensive ends and cornerbacks and linebackers. And that might make a team like the Falcons hesitant to get involved because they need to know. Free agency happens fast. A lot of the top players come off the board quickly in free agency, and you can't afford to wait around five days to figure out if the Ravens are going to re-sign Lamar Jackson. That being said, you might make that sacrifice in order to get your franchise quarterback. If I were the Falcons, I would. If I were the Panthers, I would. He's a perfect fit for the Falcons. I would absolutely engage Lamar Jackson in a free agent contract conversation. I would make an offer. And I would wait out the five days. And if some of the other free agents that you had targeted fly off the board in the meantime, you just suck it up and you deal with it. And it would then be, of course, very disappointing if the Ravens agree to match the offer and then you're left with nothing. But that's kind of the risk you have to run when you can't draft and develop your own star quarterback. But uh, the Lamar Jackson situation, I'm going to talk to Cody more about here in just a second as well. The Raiders tagged running back Josh Jacobs. A lot of running backs getting the franchise tag this year. Uh, the Jaguars tag Evan Engram. Oh, by the way, with the Raiders tagging Josh Jacobs, that likely makes Miles Sanders the top running back on the free agent market probably pricing him out of Philadelphia. The commanders tagged defensive lineman Deron Payne also uh, was one of the other moves that happened this week. So um, those are your franchise tags. And uh, we're going to talk to Cody Benjamin here in just a second to get his thoughts on all of that stuff, as well as what the Eagles might be doing in free agency coming up in the next few days. That's all up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And joining me to talk about these next couple of weeks, free agency getting started next week. Of course, the draft about a month away. And who knows, with Howie Roseman, it's always trading season here in the NFL offseason. Cody Benjamin, the NFL staff writer for CBS Sports. He also, he also has a new book out called Movies from the Mountaintop. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin. Cody, welcome back to Eye on the Enemy, buddy. How are you? 
I'm doing well. And uh, whenever you do these intros, I feel like I'm reminded how you have like such a perfect radio voice. I don't have that, but it, it, honestly, like genuinely, it is it is a pleasure to, to hear your voice and be back talking with you. Well, that's very nice of you, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you. I guess uh, it's a it's a career not misspent then, uh, <laughs> which I'm glad to hear. Um, hey, and real quick about the book. What's it about? How do uh, people can get it on Amazon, right? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, Movies from the Mountaintop. It is it is not NFL focused, um, but uh, I have a big passion and interest in in movies as well. And so this kind of has essays from over 20 different authors kind of touching on movies that moved them no. um, at a deep level. And so it could be a superhero movie, could be a romantic comedy. There's 100 different movies that are touched on in this this book. So, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, let's we're going to focus on some football here over the next few minutes and specifically the birds. And let's talk about free agency, because that is the next thing here on the NFL calendar. Legal tampering starts next week. Right now, teams have exclusive negotiating windows with their own pending free agents. And of course, the Eagles have a ton of them. And I think the basic question that we need to figure out before we start looking elsewhere is which Eagle free agents do you expect them to keep? Yeah, that's I mean, that's the burning question, because I think it's such a juggling act between these free agents. I mean, I think that the the guys who aren't technically free agents, but you know, will be by nature of their contracts, Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey. I mean, those guys to me are I think everyone in Philadelphia could guess this are pretty much locks to come back if they're playing, um, you know, if they're continuing their career, which, you know, all indications are Brandon Graham will continue Jason Kelsey probably more up in the air. That doesn't mean Brandon Graham wouldn't get interest elsewhere, but I just think that those guys, their heart is in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, that doesn't always mean, you know, we saw with Brian Dawkins years ago. It doesn't always mean you're back, but I think in this case it is. Um, you know, initially I thought C.J. Gardner-Johnson, that's a guy that, you know, they traded to to acquire. Um, they obviously waited. They didn't give him an, an extension right away. Um, I think that his market, same with James Bradbury and Javon Hargrave, I think they're going to let all of them test the market. And, you know, if one of them is available at a price that's reasonable, I think that they they definitely consider it. Um, but I don't see anyone besides Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey on their big list that to me screams they're definitely back. So um, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a patient game as far as internal free agents go this year. Do you think it'll be a disappointment if they don't sign at least one of Javon Hargrave, James Bradbury, or CJGJ? Depends who they're getting. You know, I think that, you know, those guys may hit the market, but that doesn't mean, um, you know, I've seen somebody, for example, like Draymond Jones from the Broncos. Now, he will cash in, but that's a guy who's similar to Javon Hargrave. You know, maybe you plug in at different spots along the defensive line, and maybe you're more willing to pay a premium price for a guy who's, who's not, you know, 30 years old. Uh, and that's, you know, Hargrave is still probably in his prime, but mm-hmm. Howie Roseman has has tended to prefer paying big money to those guys that can grow uh, with the roster. Um, you know, James Bradbury, that's a, that's a different circumstance. That's a guy who's available in May on a one-year deal. Um, I think he prefers those four-year premium dollar deals, you know, like Hassan Reddick. That's a guy who can actually grow with the program. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I think it'd be disappointing, but it depends who they're, you know, if you can, if you let go of Bradbury, Hargrave, and uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but you get back Draymond Jones up front, 
and maybe a Byron Murphy at cornerback, I don't think it's that disappointing. Um, because the defense, as we saw, at its lowest points, um, I mean, you can't do much worse. Like in the Super Bowl, I mean, you, they kind of, you know, the Chiefs moved the ball up and down the field anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's not a whole lot, and and maybe the the addition of Sean Desai changes things. We don't really know a whole lot about what his defense would look like because he's only had one season as a defensive coordinator, and with so much change potentially coming to the Eagles' defense, it's going to kind of be up in the air. Given what you just said about players growing with the roster. I'm also wary of paying for past performance. And I know the Super Bowl window is open right now. So I think if you could tell me for sure that Javon Hargrave, or at least with a reasonable assurity, that Javon Hargrave and James Bradbury are going to give you in 2023 and 24 something close to what they gave you in 2022, I'm signing up for whatever. The Eagles have limited cap space, so they have to make a decision on which one of those guys they would bring if they if they wanted to do that. But I don't like the idea of paying for past performance. And as players age, as they get into their 30s, typically performance starts to wane. So in that case, it seems to me that CJGJ would be the most logical free agent to sign to a three or four year deal, given the fact that he's in his mid 20s. But safety is not as important a position as tackle and cornerback. And then you also have the draft, which the strengths that it does have has strengths in these positions where the Eagles are losing some key free agents. So I think it's going to be a very interesting mix. And I wonder how much influence you think Sean Desai will have in talking to Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni with what he wants to do with the defense into what kinds of players they decide to keep or to target. How much of an influence do you think Desai as the new DC will have in the direction of the moves the Eagles make in free agency and the draft? I mean, I can't imagine he'll have, you know, certainly he's going to have some input. I I do think um, it'll be a significant piece because the fact that they passed over, you know, Denard Wilson, who worked under Jonathan Gannon and was well liked by, you know, some, some key players on that defense, I think it could signal um, more of, you know, what, what does this outside candidate want to do with the defense in terms of personnel? Um, because, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that Denard Wilson, all of his guys were also Jonathan Gannon's guys, but they work together. Those players that are on this current lineup of uh, the Super Bowl run, uh, they were familiar with Denard Wilson. This is an outside voice. So I think that they would welcome, um, theoretically, I mean, if they interviewed him and they want to bring him in, I think they're going to value his opinion. And so, yeah, and as going back to, you know, you mentioned out of those three, yes, I think it does make sense that C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the fact that he can also play multiple positions, you know, he can slide down into the nickel, he can stay at safety, um, kind of a light version of like what Malcolm Jenkins did, you know, in, in the best, I guess at his best, that's what you're paying for. The The X factor with C.J. Gardner-Johnson is, you know, how much are you paying him and then he's... I think that the personality that he brings, Nick Sirianni really likes it. It's a feisty personality. You want it on your team uh, when it when it's uh, working in your favor. But that's that's another factor to consider. Um, I, I think Hargrave, yeah, I think of those three, Bradbury is the one that most makes sense to let him test the market. Like he he did his job. He did it to the best of his ability. You couldn't have asked for a better one year signing there. But. The reality is, yeah, you're just Darius Slay is also up there. You're yeah. you're going to at some point have to turn the page at cornerback. And my my thinking was, as I watched this defense play, I don't know how different Sean Desai's defense is going to be, but 
they didn't they, they allowed defenses to pick apart the middle of the uh, quarterbacks to pick apart the middle of the field and didn't force them to challenge their stud cornerbacks and that's what that's a that's a change yeah. i would like to see like if you're going to have these two stud corners out there try and for, funnel the ball out that way <laughs> they just allowed yeah. quarterbacks to have too much access in the middle of the field where the linebackers and the safeties were. And I don't know how, how, how much you can do that scheme wise, but it just seemed like they allowed way too much stuff in the middle of the field, especially in the Super Bowl. but against elite quarterbacks, that was always the way every elite quarterback beat Jonathan Gannon's defense. And when you had Brad Bradbury and slay on the outside, I don't think they did enough to funnel the ball outside the numbers to try and take advantage of those matchup issues. So we'll see whether or not Sean Desai uh, follows something similar to Jonathan Gannon or whether he's going to do something a little bit different and personnel will certainly play a part of that. Thinking about the personnel, the Eagles have two first round picks, one very early in the first round, one at the very end of the first round, and they also have a second round pick. How do you see the Eagles spending those picks? Maybe not specific names of players, but generally speaking, what are they targeting in those spots? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's the easy answer, I guess. But you just look at the track record of the Howie Roseman front office. I mean, they like they value so much the trenches, and there's there's a reason that they've, um, you know, that that Miles Sanders is so expendable right now too in free agency because the run game. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a huge part of that too, but the offensive line, um, you know, from 2017 when they went to the Super Bowl and won it, and then 2022 when they went back. The offensive line, uh, whether it was banged up or not, it stood tall. Um, and the trenches, unfortunately, uh, whether you want to blame it on, I guess, the 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 field conditions or just underperformance or both, uh, the other side of the ball defensively, uh, that didn't show up in this Super Bowl. But one of the main reasons they got there um, was the pass rush. And so, yeah, I think it'd be wrong I guess to look at any other position first um, besides O-line, D-line, especially if you get a Jason Kelsey retirement mm-hmm. and Isaac Samala departure, um, you know, Lane Johnson, his availability. I mean, we all love him, I guess, as a, as a right tackle, but the availability has, has still been a question. Um, and they've got internal um, candidates to fill those spots, but I don't think it means they wouldn't invest again. Um, and the same goes along the defensive line. You just spent a first round pick on Jordan Davis, but if Hargrave leaves, if Fletcher Cox leaves, um, why would they not pour back in there? And I don't think you can ever rule out defensive end depth as well. I mean, running back is is obviously it's going to be a hole. I think even if they add a veteran at some point in free agency, but the Howie Roseman track record is not yeah to to prioritize running back that early. Um, I guess the a wild card would be well certainly cornerback and safety would be a priority a wild card would be a receiver but i don't think it'd be at the top just because you already you know you're paying aj brown um you're gonna pay Devonte smith at some point um i don't know if you want another first rounder you know yeah. added yeah. to that mix and they don't have much in the way of mid-round picks it would not surprise me at all to see how a trade back either from 10 or if there's somebody that yeah. if some of the quarterbacks remain on the board uh, and somebody can grab one at 10 to move back a couple of spots or specific, especially that uh, late first round pick uh, to, to move back and maybe yeah. get an extra uh, third or a fourth or whatever to kind of take a running back in that particular spot or, or a wide receiver in that particular spot but uh, so there's a lot of things that Howie Roseman can do because they're gonna have a million draft picks in 2024 so they don't need to be trading for the 2024 draft picks they can kind of focus on 2023 at this point um let's take a look around the nfl and uh, we'll stay in the division really quickly because the new york giants of course making some big news giving daniel jones 
forty million dollars a year. Now he's that's not in you know it's not going to count forty million against the cap the way they're working it, uh, and the and with the length of the contract. If you're just looking at average annual value though, Daniel Jones gets a forty million dollar a year contract over the next four years, so that they can franchise tag Saquon Barkley. Are there, you know, there's a new there's a new regime in here. Joe Shane is a, a very smart guy. Came from Buffalo. You've got Brian Dable. They had a really good season under Brian Dable here, but. This feels to me like something the old regime would have done. Did they have a choice? Did they did they have to give Daniel Jones the money here? Did, were they kind of were they kind of barricaded in? Like if the fact that they had this playoff season, the expectations are raised. I don't know where they could have gone if they didn't give Daniel Jones this contract. But at the same time, man, that's a lot of money for Daniel Jones. What what do you make of what the Giants did this week? Yeah, I mean, this is the. Um perpetual dilemma of paying quarterbacks um, in this this market. I think that, um, you know, we did an exercise just recently, um, you know, ranking all 32 quarterback situations going into free agency and then separating them into tiers. And mm-hmm. so you've got, and this has been the case for a while in the NFL, but the market just really bears it out. I mean, you've got five or six teams who there's there's no question they should be paying top of the market money like like you know the eagles are one of those teams like jalen hurts you've got your guy yeah. uh you know chargers got your guy chiefs uh bills um there's five or six teams that are in that category and then the majority of the nfl you've got i don't know over a dozen teams 12 15 20 teams where these guys are so interchangeable um yeah. like like maybe you prefer Kirk Cousins' ability to to throw an accurate ball off a of play action as opposed to the way Daniel Jones can move his legs. But at the end of the day, they are so interchangeable. I mean, the number like 12 quarterback and the number 22 quarterback. And yet, yet to have one of those guys, you have to be paying. You know, Daniel Jones, it's a lot of money after Herbert, uh, Burrow, Hurts, maybe Lamar Jackson somewhere get their money. He's going to end up being the 14th, 15th, uh, probably, you know, around there, highest paid quarterback. It's still going to be a ton of money. Um, But yeah, I think that the tough thing, you know, the Giants are kind of in a, like you said, they're they're not in a great position. Um, Same with the Seahawks, I think, you know, and their deal, I think, is honestly, it's going to end up being probably a little better. They have some flexibility. It's only about 25 million a year without the incentives for Geno Smith. But the tough part is, you have two options. If you don't have one of those elite guys, if you don't have a Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, your two options are number one, pay what the market tells you. Like that you just pay. You pay your $40 million to keep Daniel Jones. Or you reset. But when you reset, you risk now. Maybe we're not in the playoff picture for a year or two. Maybe my job is now on the line in a year or two. Maybe the fans aren't as interested, even though they they say, oh, we'd rather reset. Do they really want to watch a, a three or four win team next year? Yeah. I just think, you know, you, you either have you commit to the guy you have or you reset. But you risk um, you, you risk not being just in the wild card picture right. for a year or two. You risk that job security. So I think the, the Giants were in an impossible spot. The one thing that they can take solace in maybe is that Daniel Jones is still young. He's not, you know, he's not Geno Smith, who's already in his 30s. He's younger. He can move. Um, and, and maybe you get him a better supporting cast. I mean, finally get him a number one receiver or, or a sturdy offensive line. Then you're maybe working with something. 
So you mentioned, you know, having that guy that you know is your guy moving forward. Derek Carr always seems to be one of those guys that's a bit polarizing. There are There is a camp of Carr fans who believe he is one of those guys, that one of those guys that you pay and you're happy about paying and not a Daniel Jones type situation. He's now going to be coming to the NFC, now on the Saints. What kind of quarterback is he? What do the Saints have on their hands? Like, I mean, they've, they've traded some serious capital to get him and they're going to pay him serious money. Derek Carr has never won anything. He's never come close to winning anything. And you can you can point to talent, you can point to the coaches around him, but I don't know what I don't know that Derek Carr, I don't I haven't seen anything from Derek Carr that makes me believe there's another level. But am I wrong on that? What do you think of Derek yeah. Carr coming to New Orleans? I mean, leadership wise, you like the fact that he's endured so much organizational turnover uh with the Raiders. You like the fact that I mean the guy is a He's resilient, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, these are not like, that's not enough. I think, um, mm-hmm. what you're going to get with the saints and maybe he'll prove me wrong and it'll be a great story for the saints. But, um, I think you're getting the Raiders. You're getting the, the saints are now going to be the Raiders. They're going to be in the mix enough, but they're not going to get over the hump. And that's so many teams. I think Derek Carr is, he kind of falls in the same camp. He is that second tier um, and I think that you could throw guys like Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford in there. We saw Matthew Stafford win a Super Bowl. Now, I think he walked into a team that was set up. I mean, he did his job. He won the Super Bowl, but he walked into a setup that was it was an all star roster, um, you know, with an all star coach. And so if Derek Carr went into that kind of a situation, maybe he does get a ring. Maybe Dak Prescott. Similarly, is he walking into an all star setup with an all star coach in New Orleans? I don't. I don't see that. Yeah. And so that that is where the Saints are buying themselves uh, a chance to be on the playoff, uh, the brink of the playoffs again. That's what they're buying. They're not mm-hmm. buying a, a legitimate shot at a championship. And if you know, they have to say that to their fans. But right. I think everyone who's watched Derek Carr for nine years would know, you know, he's this isn't uh, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes didn't get hurt, and the Chiefs are now trading for him as a rental. Like, that's right. it's just not that situation. A couple of quick hitters here for you. Lamar Jackson uh, was given um, a franchise tag, but the, from one of the, it's a franchise tag that allows him to negotiate with other teams. He's essentially a restricted free agent uh, with, with the way it kind of works out here. Where does he end up next year? Yeah, that's, that's a tough question when you've got all the teams now immediately leaking out. They're not interested just for the sake of, you know, trying not to guarantee the contract. It, it does only right. take one team, though, to buck against the trend to be like, OK, you guys all want to do this. Well, we need a quarterback badly. And like, I, yeah, there are concerns with Lamar staying healthy, whatever. But where does he end up? That's a, I, I mean, a day ago before all the teams leaked it out, I would have said not Baltimore at all. Now I wonder if. You know, the rest of the NFL, for whatever reason, they're going to look toward the draft. They'd rather take on one of those rookie contracts or, you know, put it off a year with a Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, maybe right now the most likely scenario is Baltimore again. I Do you have an inkling here? Well, I mean, I was reading. I would have said Atlanta. I mean, yeah, the Falcons Atlanta, makes so much sense. It but... does. It does. Atlanta makes sense. A team like Carolina makes sense. I mean, there are teams that, that make sense. I was reading today, and I think it was Adam Schefter uh, who tweeted something about this earlier on uh, on Thursday morning. But in a situation like Lamar Jackson, there's only been one player who has yeah. who has been under this tag who has actually changed teams, who has gotten an offer from another team, and then the team that he was on decided not to match it. 
And so I do agree. I think it's going to be the Ravens. I think the Ravens are hoping that other teams will bring his number down and then match the number. And I think that's the strategy. And I think you saw that other teams were saying that they weren't interested in trading for him because they had an inkling that the Ravens were going to do something like this, that they were going to place this tag on him and make him available so that if there was a team that wanted to blow the the Ravens out of the water, they could do that. But uh, I I think um, I think he's going to end up back in Baltimore for that reason. And and you can, uh, you know, I saw Adam Schefter share that as well. And and I guess the alternative to that is uh, not another team matching and then the Ravens declining and him going there, but Lamar playing hardball even more and saying, I'm not, you know, I will not sign, I will not return to Baltimore. And basically, you know, forcing a trade, an actual yeah. trade, you know, where they get probably, you know, maybe it's more than those two first round picks. The problem is, Who's doing it? And then guaranteeing the contract. I mean, you look at like the Jets would make sense if they weren't falling in love with Aaron Rodgers right now. Um, right. You know, they could use a short and long term uh, investment. The Dolphins, I think he'd like to go to Miami. Like I, that's a fun idea, but they've committed to Tua. Um, I don't know who else is like the Bucks. They have no money. Um, and I know the Saints had no money and they got Derek Carr, but. Uh, who are they sacrificing off of that roster to make that work? Um, the Patriots, I think, would be really fun, but I don't know that that they're doing that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a you know at the end of the day, maybe he ends up back in Baltimore, but he's going to really have to not you know he's really going to have to stand his ground if he doesn't want to play in the with the Ravens, and that's right. the one team he's played for and the one team that's built around him. Right. It's kind of a it's an unfortunate. It's a tough spot for both sides. Like Baltimore, what's your plan if he goes someplace else? What's what, John Harbaugh? What is your what? What is your plan? I, I that's the other thing. It's like what what is your what is your next step? But I don't know. We'll see. Last mm-hmm. thing for you here. Uh, you wrote a story for CBS Sports uh, where you outlined ten potential NFL trades that you think made sense, and you listed one of those trades involving the Eagles. Which trade do you think the Eagles should make? Yeah. So the one that I had on here was. Uh, for Jalen Ramsey, the Rams are obviously shopping him. Um, the Eagles were were linked to him before, um, you know, when he was coming out of Jacksonville. Um, I think that it, it just makes sense. I know that the the money would be a lot um, because presumably if you're trading for Jalen Ramsey, you're also extending his deal. You're reworking his deal. Um, but I guess I, I just think that if the Eagles are in this window here, and you allow, let's say you allow both James Bradbury and C.J. Gardner-Johnson to cash in big on the free agent market by bringing in a guy like Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, I, you 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 probably start him opposite Darius Slay, but you're you're it just opens up so many possibilities in the secondary that that solves cornerback for this year, hopefully for a couple years. Um, Jalen Ramsey, you know, seems to me like a guy that you might eventually be able to shift to safety if you wanted to. Um, I just think that that's an easy, um, not an easy, but he, he's proven he can do it. It's not like he'd be going into a, a barren, uh, roster, uh, where everything is, you know, all the pressures on him with Darius Slay opposite him, the pass rush, hopefully working. Um, and I think they have the, 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 the resources to do it. Um, you mentioned they have that, that pick at the back end of the first round. You could make uh, a top you know, 10, 15 selection and still, you know, come away with that blue chip player, but also add a, you know, a proven repeat pro bowler at a, at a position of need. Um, yeah. And so I know it wouldn't, it would be costly to, to give up a first round pick and, and probably more and then also pay him. But 
if you're in this window, um, I mean, I, I would be excited at the possibility of, of a Jalen Ramsey and Darius slight pairing in the secondary. And I guess the argument is if you're going to do that, why not just pay James Bradbury and save yourself the draft pick? I, I would say, I guess the argument would be that Jalen Ram- I know he's not much younger, but he's a little bit younger than James Bradbury. And I think that at his peak, he's probably been, you know, you're looking better. at. Yeah. 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 At his peak. Now you could argue is that past. Um, I think like personality wise, it'd be a, just the same way with CJ Gardner Johnson. It'd be a fun, you know, you're bringing a really feisty character into that locker room. Um, it makes for some good media um, in addition. So, Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Cody is writing about all of this stuff for CBS Sports, so make sure you're following him on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin. Go to CBSSports.com as well. And go to Amazon and check out his book, Movies from the Mountaintop. Sounds like a fun read. Cody, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Want to remind you to check out bleedinggreennation.com during the course of the offseason here with all of the stuff going on, the trade deadlines and uh, the, the free agency getting underway. The draft stuff is just coming at you fast and furious. We're going to have tons of content for you at bleedinggreennation.com and also with all of our Bleeding Green Nation podcasts that are stacking up now uh, in your Apple podcast, Spotify queue. Want to make sure you get through those so that you are fully up to date as we are ramping up our off-season coverage here for the birds in 2023. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N.